The title of this podcast is based on 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11, where Paul warned the believers of his day not to fall after the example of Israel's disobedience in the time of Moses and the Exodus. He wrote, Now these things happened to them as examples, and they were written as a warning to us on whom the ends of the ages have come. The Bible is not a comprehensive history of human civilization. We don't read of the great civilizations of the Far East, such as China or India, or the peoples of Africa or South America. Brief references are made to Egyptian, Assyrian, and Babylonian empires, but always as they had an impact on Israel. Even in the history of Israel, there are gaps. The lives of the great heroes include selected episodes only. The point is this. The Bible is God's version of redemptive history. His desire to communicate to us His plan to redeem and renew a fallen race and the earth we inhabit. He included the bits and pieces of history that serve that end. Whatever He included is important in some way that will bring us to Him. And that includes the Old Testament. Now, there are reasons to not read the Old Testament, according to some people anyway. If I were asked to name the parts of the Bible that most people, even members of churches, avoid reading, I would say the book of the Revelation and all the Old Testament. Well, except for the Psalms, perhaps. Fear would be the main justification for not reading the book of Revelation. And the list of reasons for ignoring the Old Testament is long and goes beyond the ones I give here. First of all, people might say, well, it's full of long lists of names that no one can pronounce. True. Many of these names never appear anywhere else in the Bible, and we have no idea who they were. They occupy places in genealogies, or they are included among persons noted for their valor in war. What purpose do they serve to us today? If nothing else, they remind us that God remembers those who are otherwise forgotten and who mean nothing to others. And that goes for the many millions whose names we will never know, except perhaps in eternity. Just as the list of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 ends with references to the countless unknown others who also conquered by faith, even at the cost of persecution and death. But that group includes each of us also. We're unknown, despised by the world, but known to the Father. The Good Shepherd knows his sheep by name. So whenever you read a name or give up trying to pronounce one, pause briefly and reflect on the fact that that person was born just as you were and lived, worked, and suffered just as you do. His or her life was just as real as yours. Although no one else knows about them, God does. And God knows and cares about each of us, no matter how insignificant we seem to others or to ourselves. The second reason some people give, well, the God of the Old Testament is cruel and vindictive, as opposed to the God of love of the New Testament. False. The God in the Old Testament is the same God revealed in the New Testament. In both, he is just. In both, he is merciful. In both, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.6 Readers make a double error. Reading about the punishment of a just God against sinners in the Old Testament, 
they overlook the many references to his mercy and loving kindness. Reading the New Testament, they fail to recognize that the death of Jesus on the cross is the expression of the wrath of that same just God against sin, and they may, in fact, use the grace of God as an excuse to sin further. In so doing, they ignore the many references to God's continued punishment of sin. Hence, they exclude the book of Revelation from their reading list. A third reason some people would not want to read the Old Testament, they say many of the stories of the Old Testament are violent, bloody, and in the words of our day, extremely disturbing, R-rated. True. Not only is that statement true, but the accounts themselves are true. They represent a vivid picture of the human condition, the same situation we find yet today in live news broadcasts from scenes of war and terrorist attacks. At this precise moment, as I speak, millions of Ukrainians are being subjected to the invasion of a cruel enemy force. The scenes are horrific. We can turn off the television, but that doesn't eliminate the evil that surrounds us. We can keep the Bible closed, but that doesn't change the truth it presents. And if you think the biblical account is too graphic, try reading a universal history of civilization. Turn on your television right now. It's the way life was and the way it still is in many places in the world. A fourth reason many people hesitate to read the Old Testament, they say, the customs and language of the Old Testament don't make sense to us today. That's true. The sacrifices and the rituals of the Law of Moses are completely foreign to us. We find references to cultural practices we have no basis for understanding. But there are study books and commentaries written by men who dedicated their lives to understanding the language and customs of those cultures. Even they may disagree among themselves over the interpretation of some passages, but the lesson God wants us to learn will not be obscured. We're not to get hung up over what we don't understand. God will hold us accountable for what we could have understood, but chose not to. What about reasons for reading the Old Testament? This series of studies began in 2010 or 11, at the English language services of the Funchal Baptist Church on Madeira Island, Portugal. After I finished going through the book of Judges, it only seemed right to continue onward through the book of Ruth and then 1st and 2nd Samuel. Finally, over five years later, on the last Sunday before leaving Madeira in April 2016, I finished the study of the book of Nehemiah, having preached on every chapter of the historical books between Judges and the end of Nehemiah. Uh, full disclosure, not precisely true, since First and Second Chronicles are a retelling of the books of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. I refer to the accounts of the Chronicles when additional information is given concerning events in the books of Samuel and the Kings. The congregation changed every Sunday, except for a small core of English-speaking local members. The remainder of the congregation was composed of tourists, mostly from the UK, but most European countries were represented during that time. There were visitors from the faraway Philippines and the Americas, both North and South. Due to the timeshare phenomenon, many visitors, mainly from the UK, 
became regular sporadic attenders, coming once, maybe twice a year, and in the process wondering how far I had advanced in the studies and at what point in the history of Israel the sermon would be based the Sunday or two they would be present. Not long before we left Madeira, as I was preaching in the book of Nehemiah, after the service a brother from England came up to me and said that the last time he visited the island, I spoke on Samson, and he still remembered the sermon. I was curious to know when he had last come to the island because Samson, in the book of Judges, is one of the first figures in the series. And as I was concluding Nehemiah, I had no idea how long this series had been going on. So this is how I know now how long it took. His last visit had been five years earlier. It was common to hear comments such as, We never hear anyone preach from the Old Testament. Or, I never read the Old Testament. The expository approach, chapter by chapter, meant dealing with passages one would prefer to skip over. Some of those present in the services would read ahead to see what the next week's text would be. And on more than one occasion, a comment after my message the next week would be, I wondered how you could bring anything profitable out of that passage. Do you have an outline of your sermon? That was another common question. The answer... Yes, but even I have trouble reading it. In this podcast, I will refer to any notes I made at the time that I can still put my hands on, but each message will be fresh and current by the grace of God. The points expounded back then will be expanded on or adapted as the Spirit leads. Who knows? Maybe I've learned something in the intervening years. I certainly hope I have. I never wrote out my sermons, and the degree of detail in the notes I take to the pulpit varies widely. And once in the pulpit, I don't feel bound to my notes. I sought to speak from my heart to the hearts of the congregation, bringing to life the lives described in the Bible record, the good and the bad, making an application to each of us. In this audio format, the recording itself will be expressed in a transcript, which I expect to make available should anyone request it. In the end, the lives of men and women 3,300 years ago were vastly different from our modern society. But their feelings, faith, and fortunes are exactly those we encounter in the 21st century. What we feel, they felt. What we fear, they feared. Our doubts and depressions were theirs as well. Our aspirations are but reflections of their hopes and dreams. We'll be looking at these historical books that tell extraordinary stories about ordinary people people just like us. These things were written as a warning to us, but for our benefit and for our encouragement as well. I trust you will accompany me on this journey to learn what God teaches us through them.